This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Roto-Wire Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by John Littering. If you're out there on Twitter, you can give John a follow at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at jakeski52. Today, John and I will be making our fantasy picks for the biggest fights of UFC 209, where the interim title trend continues, and we have two title fights on the line. Before we get started, though, John, we finally got confirmation this week that uh, George St. Pierre... We'll take on middleweight champion Michael Bisbing in his return to the Octagon sometime in the back half of 2017. Uh, what is your What are your initial thoughts on this fight? Well, the first thing that come that I thought of when I heard it is that, and it was essentially confirmed by Michael Bisbing, is that this is kind of a a money grab is not the best word, but this is a fight that is designed to draw ratings as opposed to give the guy who is most deserving of a title shot the next opportunity. Uh, the UFC does this a lot. It's mm-hmm. a business, first and foremost, before anything else. So we shouldn't really be surprised. But you, there are plenty of guys in that division who deserve a title shot before George St. Pierre, who's been away. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, you know, and Michael Bisbing essentially said in an interview uh, the last couple of days, I, you know, I've been in the company a long time and I deserve a chance to make big money in a fight and he's going to, but that doesn't necessarily mean the guy he's fighting is the most deserving of the title shot. Exactly. We almost saw this in his last one when he fought Dan Henderson, kind of giving Dan Henderson one last chance to go out on top and, uh, in what turned out to be a pretty good fight. So he's going for the money fights. You know, a lot of people are going to criticize him for, you know, not wanting to take on Yoel Romero or not wanting to take on Jacare Souza, but he's, he's very much right in this. And, uh, the, the impressive thing to me is, 
if he can beat GSP somehow, and it looks like GSP is the early favorite at about minus 140 when it very much opened, if he can somehow beat GSP, that means that Michael Bisping will have beaten Dan Henderson, Anderson Silva, and GSP, which is quite quite the resume for anyone's career. It definitely is, and Bisping's right in the sense that he's been with the company for so long, and he's done so much for the company that he does deserve a chance. He doesn't; have, he's older. He doesn't have all that much time left either, so he does deserve this opportunity. But the UFC makes so many fights these days, elite title fights, where you look at and you go, "That person doesn't deserve a title shot." That mm-hmm. it's hard to take some of them seriously. But like I said before, this is this whole thing is a business. It always has been. It always will be. Their goal is to make money and to sell tickets and to drive ratings, and mm-hmm. that's not going to change. Yeah, and there's no doubt that uh, GSP, just the name recognition alone, gets him there. Uh, just for some perspective, since GSP walked away in 2013, Michael Bisping has fought eight different times. So there's the ring rust factor. There's you know Bisping coming off of knee surgery factor there's a whole lot of factors that come into play here but we will discuss that uh when the time comes again gsp looking like the early betting favorite at minus 140 to minus 145 depending on where you look here but john let's get into the main event here of ufc 209 set to take place saturday night in las vegas we have got the welterweight championship and it is a rematch and it is a heck of a rematch between tyrone woodley and steven wonderboy thompson uh on DraftKings. Looks like Thompson's getting the edge, $8,400 salary as opposed to Woodley's 7800 Once again, Stephen Thompson is the favorite, the betting favorite at minus 160. Uh, Vegas has Woodley at about plus 140. The odds to finish here are actually minus 135, which was a little bit surprising considering how much punishment each were able to take and survive in that first fight. But uh, John, first, who do you got in this one? And second, how do you see this playing out? Is this something that you might go after on DraftKings? Well, this... I'll start out by saying I'm a little surprised that Stephen Thompson is such a big favorite. Uh, this to and both, you know, six hundred hours as far difference as far as DraftKings salary certainly isn't much. But I'm a little surprised that Thompson is uh, such a big favorite in the Vegas odds. Mm-hmm. This to me is pretty much about as close to a pickup fight as you'll find. Not surprised given the first time they they fought they fought to a draw. But again, this and we say this a lot when we break down fights. This is one of those fights that the flow of the fight and how the fight progresses is going to determine the winner. Um, Tyron Woodley in the first fight wrestled in the first round, did a really good job. He kept Thompson on his back for the vast majority of the round. And then after that first round was over, mysteriously, he stopped wrestling. So if you told me he was going to wrestle for five rounds, I would think he would win. But... And we say all the time, guys, for some odd reason, whether it's, you know, a macho thing and they just feel like they have to try and knock the other person out, they get away from what is their strength. Now, Stephen Thompson did a better job over the course of the first fight in the striking exchanges between the two guys. I would say he won more of the exchanges, which is no surprise. I think that's partially why he's the higher DraftKings salary, just because of the volume striking that he brings to the table. He's going to score points, so win or lose, he'll get you DraftKings points. Oh, yeah, he definitely will. And there's no, you know, you're not going to beat Steven Thompson in an extended kickboxing match. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, four significant strikes landed per minute in his career for Thompson as opposed to just a little over two and a half for Woodley. So I think that explains the salary discrepancy. 
It is, and the other thing that happened in the first fight was Woodley hammered Thompson in round four so um, so badly to the point where it was honestly quite shocking that Wonder Boy was able to survive. Yeah, I thought it was going to get stopped at first. It sure looked like it, and not only did it not get stopped, but after Thompson survived the round and went into round five, he somehow came out of was fighting in round five, looking like the fresher fighter. Mm-hmm. Which to me, given considering the beating that he took just around earlier, was mind boggling. Yeah. So Woodley, you know, there's no doubt Woodley has more one punch knockout power. You know, if he if he connects, he has a far better chance of finishing you with one shot than Thompson does. And you know, I like I've said before, I have been on Thompson and you know been a fan before he started making this run to where he is now. So I'm sticking with them now, but again, a fight that's not doesn't appear at least, and we already saw a full 25 minute fight between the two men, a fight where there doesn't appear to be a whole lot separating the two guys. Mm-hmm. But I think I would it's and it's not going to be it may not be you know pleasing to watch, but if I were Tyron Woodley's coach and I was Tyron Woodley's camp, I would tell him to try and keep Stephen Thompson pinned to the mat for as much of this fight as he can, because he can't beat you with the mm-hmm. kickboxing skills if he's on his back. Yeah, if it comes down to ground strikes, then then Woodley might be able to you know get enough points to win out a decision here. But one thing I found was interesting is back at UFC 205 when these these guys first fought, um, all four of us uh, on the RotoWire MMA staff, you and I, Evan and Richard, we all picked Thompson across the board. This time around, I posted our staff picks article earlier this afternoon, and uh we're split. We're split two to two. And I switched over for one of those for one of those reasons because I saw the champion last against Thompson well enough and even put Thompson on the ropes well enough. And and I agree with you, John, that if he comes in with the right strategy and can wrestle, I, I do have a lot of confidence in Woodley to grind out a decision. But I also he does have that one punch knockout power. So I think there are a couple ways that Woodley can win. And you know, you gotta pick upsets here and there. And and I think that's one of the ones I'm picking for this card. Like if I was if I was going to Vegas and, and betting on the fight, I would take the dog. DraftKings, I, I guess this is kind of a cop-out, but DraftKings, I'd lean more towards using Thompson just because of the the disparity in strikes landed per minute. So DraftKings, it gets a lot closer for me. But if I'm if I'm just looking at the odds straight up and I'm betting, I, I would take Woodley in this fight. Although I, I 100% agree with you, John. This is as close to a pick as it can get. And I can very much see why our staff is split 2-2 on this one. And the, you know, the other thing that we have to say here, and it doesn't get mentioned enough, is because we don't see it a lot, is Stephen Thompson's wrestling is underrated. You know, it, it, no one ever talks about it because of how good of a kickboxer he is. But he's a he's he's a good wrestler, and he's getting better. He just mm-hmm. doesn't have the experience in that area that he does in the striking area. Yeah. You know, his takedown defense over his UFC career is just under eighty percent. Mm-hmm. It's darn good. Yeah, seventy eight percent. I've got their I got their fight metric up right now, and uh, see now. him going for a lot of takedowns. Yep, but. He doesn't have to. If he can just defend them, his striking alone will win him fights. So mm-hmm. I am a little surprised in both the odds and the salaries that this isn't closer. But I'd, I would agree with you if I you said, all right, here's free money. Who are you going to bet on? I would bet on Woodley because I think he's a better value given the odds because I don't think he's really a plus 140. I think this should just about be even. But if you just – Again, and this is going to depend on the flow of the fight and who is able to implement what they do best. If this turns into a grappling match, Woodley's going to win. 
if this turns into an extended kickboxing match again, uh, you know, you certainly have to favor Thompson. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's going to be an excellent fight. It won Fight of the Night honors back at UFC 205, and uh, I think fans are hoping that it, you know it's getting its main event spot, and uh, we'll see an equally exciting brawl here. But let's move on to the co-main event. We've got another uh, belt on the line. This time it is the interim lightweight championship. Of course, Conor McGregor is the belt holder in this weight class, taking a little bit of time off here. Uh, and in the meantime, we're going to do an interim one. And a man like uh, two men, Habib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson, both deserving of a chance at this title, given what they've done to date. But uh, it, it's quite surprising to see the the large disparity. Well, maybe not surprising, depending on who you talk to, because drafting salaries, Nurmagomedov, 8,900, Ferguson, 7,300. Habib is a minus 175 betting favorite here as, as Ferguson's a plus 155 dog here. Um, and that's roughly stayed the same. I think maybe a little more money moving towards Habib, but not a lot. I've seen him as high as minus 200 in places, as low as about minus 167 in some places. So that's, and then the odds to finish here pretty much a wash it's minus 115 so they're thinking it'll finish but not necessarily an overwhelming favorite to finish here um the staff is pretty much we sweep this one here john in agreement but uh can you tell me what it is about habib Nurmagomedov that makes him such a favorite and and why we all like him well this the fact that habib is such a favorite is in reference to how good he is and not how not good and that's a terrible language but not how poor tony ferguson is mm-hmm. tony ferguson is an excellent fighter mm-hmm. but there, there are a few lightweights that i would pick over or over tony ferguson it's just oh, that oh, habib is one of them you can count on one hand mm-hmm. the amount of fighters uh, at least i would pick it lightweight over tony ferguson but i know i've said on here before and i'm sticking with it now until someone beats him, Habib's the best lightweight in the world as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just – he has this really, really, really unmatched unique ability that if he gets his hands on you, you go to the ground. It's it, – it's, his takedown accuracy in his UFC career is under 50%, which is mind-boggling because he's averaged more than six takedowns a fight. So that that should give you an idea of how many attempts he does go after and how often mm-hmm. he's able to get inside on guys. Just ask Michael Johnson about that in his last fight. Johnson, you know, defended a few of them, but he keeps coming at you and he will get you eventually. He will. And there's and as far as the striking goes, I think Ferguson it's close. Ferguson in his fight against Lando Venata not all that long ago. Mm-hmm. Took way, way, way too much um, abuse on the feet to the point where it looked like he might actually get finished, which is crazy. It's scary, it's, scary close to like, getting finished. Venata was, for those who don't remember, Venata in that time was a last minute replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but then you know he comes back after you know not his best performance against Venata and rolls through Rafael dos Anjos, unanimous decision, but. That fight wasn't even close mm-hmm. in November. So this is the fact that Habib is such a favorite is in reference to how much potential. Well, not even potential anymore. It, you know, it's the present time now. But how much, how good Habib is, and you know, the other thing everybody has to keep in mind is Tony Ferguson is an excellent submission wrestler. So 
if Habib is able to get Ferguson in the ground, you think Ferguson would have a chance to try and implement some of his submissions. But the other thing is, Habib's position, not only does he get you to the ground, but his body control and his positioning on the mat are impeccable. Mm-hmm. He gives you no room to do anything. He absolutely smothers you. And as far as the striking goes, Habib never gets hit on the feet because he's never on the feet. He, you know, he, he never puts himself in position to get hit because he's busy pushing you up against the fence and dragging you to the mat and controlling you on the ground. So I, I am as excited, uh, you know, we're only in the first few days of March, but again, I think you will be able to count on one hand the amount of fights the UFC produces this year that are of the quality that this one is. Yeah, it's a very excellent matchup here. And, you know, just looking at the numbers, you, you could see you could make a case that Ferguson would be have an advantage in the striking department. I mean, a six-inch reach advantage, over five significant strikes landed per minute as opposed to Habib, but like you said, you talked about Habib on the ground. His striking accuracy, Habib, is 50% in his career. But if you take it to the ground, uh, I saw this tweet from uh, UFC from the UFC Europe account earlier today. If you take it to the ground, he's landed the largest proportion of significant ground strikes in UFC history. It, it jumps up 14.3% to 64.3%. He's just so dangerous when he gets you to the ground, and chances are he's going to get you there. I mean, Ferguson could always come out and surprise. He'd be a heck of a DraftKings value if he could, but I'm with you in thinking that Habib Nurmagomedov is possibly the best lightweight in the world. And I think if they do make, if you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but if they do make that fight with Habib against Conor McGregor, Conor's probably going to have a hard time. He's going to have a hard time because I don't, I think Habib is smart enough to not, stand to get in a war with McGregor. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk a lot about, you mentioned earlier, it seems every card these days has an interim championship uh, tag on it. This one I'm actually okay with. Yep. Because Nurmagomedov and Ferguson both deserve a title shot. And Conor McGregor, and we've mentioned this on here as well, is essentially holding the division hostage. Mm-hmm. He's competing in multiple divisions. There's all, you know all this nonsense going on with whatever was going on with Floyd Mayweather and all, all that stuff. So no one really knows what Connor's doing or when Connor's going to do it because Connor's pretty much going to do what he always does, which is whatever, whatever he wants. Exactly. <laughs> so both of these guys deserve a title shot, and this is one where slapping an interim tag on it isn't going to take anything away from it because both of these guys deserve it and are – both championship caliber fighters. Yeah, well, exactly. One of the most exciting fights that I'm ready to see. Probably the, the one that I'm, I might be more excited for this one than the main event just because of the caliber of skill here. But let's two go great. ahead. Go ahead. What were you going to say? i say quickly, two great fights. You know, Two great you know, fights, yep. If you look at, and we spoke of this in the, in the last card, the uh, pay-per-view, the Duranemi home card, and you look at the, the main event, the main event, and you're like, wow, that's really, uh, you know, honestly not that good. This is these two are as good as night best. and day, night and day. Yep. So here's the one. All right, but let's look at the rest of the pay per view card here. Uh, we go to a middleweight bout between Rashad Evans and Daniel Kelly. Evans comes in a pretty big favorite here, nine thousand. The Kelly salary of seventy two or seventy two hundred. Uh, Evans a minus two thirty five DraftKings favorite. Kelly a plus one ninety five. The odds to finish on here are plus one hundred actually, which would suggest. 
well, maybe not on DraftKings, but uh, I don't know. Break this one down for us, John. I, I, I admit I don't know a whole lot about Daniel Kelly, but I've been watching Rashad Evans since uh, since way back in the day, since those Bones fights and even before then. So uh, what, what does Rashad Evans bring to the table that's going to make him such a big favorite? Because keep in mind, he had problems with his medicals that kept him out of UFC 205, then kept him out of UFC 206, and finally Vegas cleared him, and he's finally able to fight here. Yeah, he, he did have the medical problem, and I'm a little, again, I'm a little surprised Rashad Evans is such a big favorite in this fight. He's now 37 years old, only 38 in September. This, you don't, and we know all the injury problems he's had. He had a serious knee injury. And at that age, as we say all the time, he he doesn't have the explosive, for a guy whose entire offensive arsenal has virtually always been based upon his athleticism and his ability to threaten for takedowns and land takedowns. If you don't have that burst and you can't at least threaten to get your takedowns from multiple positions, you're going to have a hard time winning fights. Now, Daniel Kelly is quite the story. Hmm. A guy who started MMA, got into MMA late, 39 years old, a four-time Olympian in judo, which is just, there are not many people in any sport who compete in the Olympics four times in the same sport. Um, but a guy who, again, a little similar to Evans in the sense that not a whole lot of power uh, relies more on positioning and uh, takedowns or limiting takedowns in his case. But I think oh, this is going to really be, and I agree with the fact that this could go the distance because I don't really see a ton of finishing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, power from either man, especially now with their respective ages. But I think a lot of this is going to depend on how we've seen Rashad lately, and no surprise, he doesn't look like the Rashad who we, you know, we saw years ago. Two and four in his last six fights, coming off a really bad loss against Glover Teixeira uh, a little less than a year ago, knocked out in the first round. Yep. I mean, it's time for him to drop down to middleweight. We didn't mention that at the beginning, but this fight is at 185, and Evans has fought for the majority of his career at the light heavyweight division here. So dropping down to middleweight could help him gain a little bit in terms of size. Uh, so, so I'm thinking that might help his case a little bit. But also Daniel Kelly's just a it's a manageable opponent for him as opposed to he was going to fight Tim Kennedy at UFC 205. I would have never picked him against Tim Kennedy, even with the rust for Kennedy. So it's more manageable, and I think a lot of people like the veteran in this one. Certainly more manageable, and I think this is actually a good fight in the sense that it it's pretty good marketing because certainly Evans is a bigger name than Kelly is. Mm-hmm. But you're again, you're putting Evans in a fight where he has a realistic chance of winning. Mm-hmm. You don't need to, when you have older guys like this, you don't need to put them in fights. Guys like Evans who are marketable names and popular, but certainly aren't the fighter they were, you know, several years ago. So you don't need to put them in fights where they're facing a guy who they clearly can't beat. So this is, I think there's a good chance this fight's going to go the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, neither guy have much, neither man has much finishing ability at this point, or, you know, really ever. Guys who rely on their wrestling and grappling skills, so, uh, which in turn would probably make both guys, considering the takedown defense both guys have exhibited, would make both guys poor 
DraftKings plays. Mm-hmm. But um, I think Kelly's at both his salary and his Vegas odds. I think he's a, a pretty good value. I don't really, mm-hmm. I don't really think Evans. I don't want to say he's done because you know the shape the guy keeps himself in, and he, he's an animal and he's committed to the sport, and so you don't want to say he's done. No, he's certainly not. This is he's certainly not you know Tim Bosch against Jacare uh, done you know don't mm-hmm. I'm not saying that but he isn't in the same uh, you know athletic league and sphere that he was early in his career and that's you know that's due to injury age and inactivity it's not anything Rashad did you know I hate to break this story to you you get older your athletic ability goes it's no big secret. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we can all agree here. We we picked we picked Rashad Evans across the board, but nine thousand is maybe a little tad too much uh, on DraftKings. I think there are better quote unquote chalk plays on DraftKings here, and maybe we'll get to some of those uh, a little bit later on here. But let's move on to a name we've already mentioned in this show, uh, and that is Groovy Lando Venata, who is taking on David Taymor in a lightweight matchup here on the pay per view portion of this card. And we've mentioned Lando Venata before. Because he had Tony Ferguson, who's fighting for the interim lightweight title tonight. He had Tony Ferguson on the ropes in the first round when he entered the UFC as a last-minute replacement. And then he was rightfully given a UFC contract to try to see what he could do against an opponent that's more at his, uh, uh, shall we say, experience level here. So this opponent, though, happens to be a... The separation, at least the numbers, suggest it's quite a bit. Uh, Venata checks in at 9,300. Tamur is just 6,900 on DraftKings. Venanda's a minus 250 Vegas favorite, and Tamur is plus 210. The odds to finish on this are minus 140. So the best we've seen so far until this next fight we discuss. But there's such a disparity in in the numbers for this fight. John, do you think it's warranted? Nope. This is my upset. Uh, I'm taking Timor. And the simple reason, this is pr- the reasoning behind this for me is pretty straightforward. Lando Venata, like you said, came in against Tur- Tony Ferguson, like we mentioned, last-minute replacement, nearly knocked Ferguson out. And what if Venata has shown anything in his two UFC fights, it's that he's willing to take a bunch to land a punch. He did it against Ferguson. He landed plenty of his own, but he ate a few too. In his second fight against um, John McDessie uh, in early, uh, late early December, he landed a wheel kick that quickly – knocked Modesti out cold before he hit the mat, mm-hmm. was on all the uh, finalist lists for highlight, uh, for, uh, excuse me, knockout of the year uh, last year. Uh, YouTube it, uh, you know, UFC, fight pass it, uh, great finish, as good as you'll ever see. Mm-hmm. But Venata has, is willing to take a beating in order to land a punch. And if there's anything we've seen from David Timor in his brief UFC career, it's that he has a lot of power and he is patient in the point to the point where he will not overextend himself and fire off crazy combinations, but he will wait for you to try and be aggressive and counter that. And Venata, like I mentioned, has been aggressive and I think Tamor can take advantage of that. I think he has the power to finish Venata. Now, of course, um, Venata certainly has the power to finish him. So it's one of those fights where, a lot of this is risk-reward, and you have to pick up sets somewhere. And this is, to me, an awful, awfully low salary for – we. It, all things considered, I Spadano certainly with the body, quick body work he's had in his career probably deserves to be a favorite. I don't think he deserves to be a favorite by this much. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking maybe along the lines, like if uh, a lot of people when they're betting on fights, they like to don't look at the odds and then they write down what they think the odds should be. And then you go and compare them to the actual odds. And that's how a lot of people like to go and pick which fights they're going to bet on, for example. And if you did that with this one, you would think, oh, man, I, I'd have to go. Uh, I'd have to go Tim Warren in this one because you think it would be a lot closer. I would have written down maybe well, minus 135, yeah, 140 for Venata. 40 somewhere in there maybe mm-hmm. minus 50 in the high end yeah and uh you know i'm looking at the metrics for the first time you know you're, you're i'm picking but in this one i'm going chalk but you've done a really good job of maybe convincing me to change my mind here i think i'm going to stick with it but the thing that i'm circling here uh as far as stats goes is significant strikes absorbed per minute eight and a half for Lando Venata. So you're right. It's you, you're not going to have a, a super long career or a super prosperous career. If you're as willing to take, uh, in exchange for giving one as Venata is. So that's risky, but, uh, you know what? I, I do like uh, what Venata has been able to do so far. And I, I'm going to take the favorite in this one, but I, I would not use him on DraftKings just because uh, $9,300 price tag. I mean, your average per six fighters in, on DraftKings is $8,333. So you're going 1000 up for someone who's not a lock, but uh, and, and you're hoping for that early knockout. You know, And part of the things that determine DraftKings salaries is fantasy points to date and you know, the early knockouts have helped him in the past and I can see that he's just not someone I, I'm really need to put too much trust in on DraftKings but overall you know if, if, you, if you're going pick one or the other I'm going to go Venata but I 100% understand where you're coming from yeah, here John. Timor is a four-time Swedish Muay Thai champion so mm-hmm. he'll lay a beating on yep. you with his hands and his feet. He'll be able to strike and he's also got a two-inch reach advantage it looks like so it's a slight advantage but you know not to be ignored nonetheless here. Let's round out the pay-per-view card, though, John, with a heavyweight battle. Uh, should be a very exciting fight between Alistair Overeem and Mark Hunt. Both of these guys are rebounding from pretty tough performances. Overeem with a uh, loss in a title fight to Steve Miocic. Mark Hunt with a loss to a, uh, a pretty roided-up Brock Lesnar, to say the least, here. Um, the salaries here, like Overeem a little bit, 8300 to 7900 for Hunt. Overeem a minus 145 uh, favorite here hunt a plus 125 underdog the big thing that stands out here john is the odds to finish minus 285 makes you think that one way or another you got to get a piece of this in your DraftKings lineup you do but i see this to me i i think over i don't think overeem deserves to be the favorite if nothing else based upon the body of work of the men lately like you said overeem coming off a tough loss to steve miocic but prior to that Four straight wins, Andre Arlovsky, Junior Dos Santos, Roy Nelson, and Stefan Struve. And don't forget so, that Dos Santos is fighting for a title at 211. Yeah. So, uh, me, uh, Overeem deserved his title shot. Didn't work out, but he just, you know, he he certainly wasn't one of those where they had no better option at the time. He mm. deserved his title shot. He didn't win, but he deserved it. But, so if you think Overeem's going to win and is the better fighter at this point in their careers, which I do, he also has a six-inch height advantage, which helps. He has an eight-inch reach advantage, which really helps. If you think Overeem is the better fighter, so then you, you look at the other side um, to Mark Hunt, and I I know you agree because we've talked about this many times. There is never a fight. There is no. There literally may not be a tougher human being walking the planet Earth than Mark mm-hmm. Hunt. Yeah, you, and, you use granite chin in your preview, yeah, and I couldn't agree more. Yeah. You can, you, I will never, until the day I die, expect Mark Hunt to get finished in any fight that he's ever in. Mm-hmm. So if you think Overeem's going to win, which I do, and I think you do too, 
do you really think he's going to be able to stop Hunt early? I don't. Yeah. Which, mean, which means, by definition, both men are probably poor DraftKings plays. Hunt, because you don't think he's going to win. And Overeem, because finishing Hunt early is pretty much impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say, like, if you disagree with us and think that Hunt's going to come out and get the finish here, if you think Overeem's washed up or his chin, there's question marks, uh, then by all means, Hunt becomes an excellent value play at 7,900. I, I would almost make multiple lineups put one with Overeem and one with Hunt in hopes of uh, maybe catching that finish. But you make a good point, John. Uh, even against Brock Lesnar, who might have had a little uh, substance-related enhancement here, he was raining lunchbox hands down on Mark Hunt and still couldn't finish him. So I, if that's not going to do it, I'm not entirely sure what will. So I, I do see where you're coming from here. But, I mean, I don't know, at 42, Mark Hunt, I feel like the chin will crack eventually. We just haven't seen anything to suggest that yet. It might crack. But I don't think it's going to crack with one shot. Nope. It's you know it's gonna it, it, he might get finished, but I don't think he's going to get finished with a combination in the first round. Mm-hmm. So, and the other thing is that you also have to keep in mind is Overeem has exhibited a questionable chin in the past. So he's uh, Hunt certainly has the better chin of the two men, but I don't really think that, or at least I think it's unlikely. Hunt is going to be able to get into a position to land those combinations on Overeem. Like I said, he's giving up a lot of height. He's giving up a ton of reach. And uh, mm-hmm. as much as I don't, you know, as much as I didn't really like Overeem because I didn't think his tie would translate in, in a five round fight against Stephen Miocic in a title fight, uh, a three round fight is is better news for Overeem. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And when it comes to DraftKings value plays, Overeem was one that stood out for me because the salary at eighty three hundred is is very manageable. Even if you don't get that first round knockout bonus, let's if you paid over nine thousand for someone, you're hunting for that knockout bonus. But at eighty three hundred, that's actually slightly less than the average per fighter, which is uh, just a little more than eighty three hundred. And you know he's uh, just Overeem's a relatively strong Vegas favorite. So even if he were to somehow get a decision and that were to go, I think that that makes a pretty good value play on DraftKings. I know uh, all four of our MMA staff members went with Overeem in this one from uh, the article I posted a little bit earlier on on Thursday. We like Overeem. I. I I agree with you. Hunt's going to be tough to finish, but I, th- I think the salary that Overeem comes out at, he's a little bit too tough to uh, to pass up in a lineup here. But uh, you're looking for value on DraftKings, John, whether it's the main pay-per-view card that we just discussed or somewhere on the undercards here. Uh, do you have, Are there any value plays that stand out for you? Well, one that I looked at immediately on the undercard was the uh, featured that on the FS1 prelims right before the uh, pay-per-view card, and that was uh, the Luis Henrique and Marcin Tibera fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henrique is seventy-four hundred compared to Tibera's eighty-eight hundred. Vegas-wise, Henrique is a plus one thirty-five to Tibera's minus one fifty-five, and I like Henrique. I think he's a good, solid fighter. He's shown throughout his brief UFC career that he has different ways to win fights. Um, mostly a ground guy. Um, his first fight in the UFC was knocked out by Francis Ngannou. A lot of people have been knocked out by Francis Ngannou. A lot of people are going to get knocked out by Francis Ngannou. So there's no shame in that. Uh, that might be the scariest guy in the UFC roster. So there, there's no shame in that. But since then, back-to-back submission wins, admittedly, 
competition hasn't been great. But a guy who has spent some time in American Top Team, uh, has spent a lot of his career at light heavyweight, not all that tall for the division, 6'2", athletic, 23 years old, a lot of room for growth. We say a lot, guys that young, it's reasonable to expect significant improvement on a fight-by-fight basis. And like we said before, this is a, a lot of this, DraftKings is, you know, it's a puzzle. You got to figure out what fits best and Mm -hmm. what works with each. And there aren't a ton of underdogs that I like um, as far as on the undercard. So I think Henrique's a pretty good value play here. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, So that's one thing to take a look at. I also like if you go all the way down to the fight pass prelims and you you need you you need a a couple fighters to fill out your lineup. Just say, for example, you're pretty confident about four, but you need a few more. There are two. There's a heavyweight and a light heavyweight fight. One between Mark Godbeer and Daniel Spitz. Uh, the light heavyweight between Tyson Pedro and Paul Craig. Both of those guys have minus three fifty uh, odds to finish or greater. Uh, some much greater. So both of those guys could potentially give you uh, a little bit of bang for your buck here if you're looking for maybe an upset uh, in th- in that situation. So I think they're worth taking a look at if you're not really sure about guys and need someone to fill a lineup out. Because again, DraftKings, the biggest thing, the winners are going to get at least three, four, maybe five knockouts, uh, those that are finishing in the top of the money. So it might be worth taking a look at some of those. It will. And I think, I think this is, while the pay-per-view, the main card of the pay-per-view is strong, it's a bit of a weak undercard all the way around. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think we should mention before we finish up here is that the return of Mirsad Bektik, who I should, you know, returns not, you know, the best word he fought. And I think it was October. Mm-hmm. So it, it hasn't been that long, but this is a guy who legitimately, uh, and we, the word top prospect gets thrown around all the time. This is a guy who's legitimately one of the top prospects in MMA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and he's in Vegas has him as minus six twenty, so he's also a very, very big favorite. Yeah, he Vegas has, and to give you an idea of how tough Darren Elkins is, Bektik is ninety six hundred on DraftKings and a minus six twenty favorite, and the odds to finish are only minus one ten, which should give you an idea how how much damage Darren Elkins can take, mm-hmm. which is good since his nickname is the damage. But Mirsad Bektik is one of the top undefeated 11-0 in his career, one of the top prospects in the entire sport in any division. So if you're looking for something on the undercard mm-hmm. um, to keep an eye on, I think that's that's the fight. Yeah, worth a look. Could you see yourself paying 9600 on DraftKings, or do you, are you just not that confident in, in a finish? I, I'm, I, I probably would. I don't – I'm not – I never really like spending that much money on one guy because if you spend it – and they don't get a quick finish, or it's not a fight that has a lot of back and forth, the rest of your lineup is pretty much done. Mm-hmm. I think he's, I agree with the odds. The odds are substantial, but I think he deserves to be that big of a favorite. But I do have confidence in in Elkin's ability to take a beating. So I'm not sure it's the best use of your money at that high salary. Mm-hmm. So that's the one you'd say you're pretty much most excited for out of the undercards. Anything else really jump at you on the card? Or are you with me and, and, and just most pumped to see uh, the Habib-Ferguson fight? The, the the main event and the Coleman event, to me, are the highlights. I think mm-hmm. the Venata-Timor fight, while it's not going to have a huge impact or really any impact on on the title picture at 155 pounds right now, I think that it might be the under under you know under the radar fight as far as 
Fight of the Night candidate, maybe? Yeah, a lot of action. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of them are going to stand there and let the other one, you know, yeah. I think I don't think it's going to be a 15-minute snooze fest. So I think that's one. And Overeem and Hunt should, again, be another fight where a lot of fireworks. The only mm-hmm. fight on the main card where I really see it kind of being dull and boring a little bit is the Evans and Kelly fight. And I think that's only because you're going to see a lot of wrestling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's up there for the name. He's someone that a lot of people will recognize on name alone. The rest of those guys are probably up there for the action. Yeah. Uh, but again, this, the main event and the co-main event on Saturday are as good as as good as good we're going to get this year and really you're, you're ever going to get. So while the last pay-per-view was a little bit disappointing, this one should more than make up for it. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, to our listeners, thanks again for checking out the Rotowire Mixed Martial Arts podcast today. Uh, once again, if you want to follow John on Twitter, you can follow him at J-O-N-L-I-T-T-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me at jakeski 52 uh, Once again, we'll be back with you guys prior to UFC 210 when Daniel Cormier takes on Rumble Johnson. John, thanks for joining me. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Always a pleasure to talk to you soon. Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.